Well, on the 15th of May, in the jungle of Nul, in the heat of the day, in the cool of the pool, he was splashing, enjoying the jungle's great joys when Horton the elephant heard a small noise. Do you know where that's from? Yeah, Dr. Seuss's Horton Hears a Who. If you don't know the story, uh, Horton is convinced that on this small speck of dust is a small person who must be protected. It turns out, though, that there's a whole village that lives on this small speck of dust. Who's from Whoville on that small speck of dust? But everyone around thinks that Horton is the biggest blame fool in the jungle of Nul. But despite the mockery and the claims that he's out of his mind, Horton will care. He will protect this small speck of dust. And why? Well, there's little people on there. And because a person's a person, no matter how small. It's, of course, a fictional story, but there's some godly truth to be found in it, isn't there? People matter, big or small, seemingly significant or insignificant. People matter. All should be cared for, and in particular, those who are most vulnerable. Well, today we're continuing our series, as I said, on life in community. And today we're thinking about this question. What would it look like to be a community that cares? What would it look like to be a community that cares? And we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4. But I'm going to pray for us as we begin. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that this morning... You might help us as we look at your word. Help us to see your love for us. And that as we see your love for us, as we see the love that you have for the community of your people, that we might reflect that love. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week, Dooley, Dooley, that's not his name, Uh, Dougal is his name. Uh, There's too too much Dr. Seuss. It it just throws your mind out. Last week, Dougal helpfully showed us that God's community serves one another by turning up, by not giving up meeting together, but encouraging one another all the more as we see the day of the Lord approaching. Uh, So as we come together and you're here together as God's people, as God's community, how do we care for one another? That's what we're going to look at today. But before we get there, we're going to look at what is our motivation for caring for one another? What ought to motivate us? Point number one, the motivation to care in God's community. Uh, From verse 1 of Philippians chapter 2, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. There are a few things there, aren't there, that ought to motivate us to care in God's community. 
The first motivation, verse 1, begins, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. Why would being united with Christ give God's people encouragement? Well, it's because of what it means to be united with Christ. What does it mean? Uh, Well, it's like when you get married. The other person's stuff becomes yours, right? You get their money, you get their assets, you get their dog, right? You even get their parents, right? All good stuff. And that's pretty cool. But it's not the best part. It's not the reason that you marry them. You marry them not for their stuff, but for them. And it's the same with Jesus. When you're united to him through faith, trusting in him as king of your life, you get all his stuff. You get forgiveness of sins. You get eternal life. You get all that good stuff. But the best part is you get Jesus. You get him. And that ought to be the reason to motivate us to love God's people. There's a second motivation to care in God's community. Verse 1b says, if you have any comfort from his love. God's love comforts and ought to humble us. Philip Yancey, in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace, he recalls an excerpt from a movie, The Last Emperor. You might have seen it. In the movie, there is a young child who was anointed as the last emperor of China. And he lives a life of luxury with a thousand servants at his command. His brother, though, he asks him, he asks the young emperor, he says, what happens when you do wrong? And the boy emperor replies, when I do wrong, someone else is punished. And to demonstrate it, he gets a jar and he breaks it. And then one of his servants is beaten. Jesus, in his love for the world, he reverses that pattern. When the servants err, when you and I err, the king is punished. And that's God's grace and that ought to humble us. Because how do we know God's love for the world? We know God's love for the world because he sent his one and only son to die for us. The Apostle Paul reminds us of this in his letter to the Roman church. He says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? We can know God's love because he loves us in his son. And that, my friends, ought to comfort us as God's community. There's a third motivation for care in God's community. You'll see it in verse 1 again, verse 1c. If you have any common sharing in the Spirit. Someone this morning from 8am, they tried to help me out. I suggested 
that at home are running low on toilet paper, as some of us might be at this point in time. And he said, oh, Roger, I've got the solution for you. Grab a phone book, cut it in half, drill a hole up the top, put a nail in the door and just hang it on the door and there's plenty of paper there. And I thought, who has a phone book, right? <laughs> who has a phone book? How's that going to help me? This is a tenuous link, but the Spirit of God is like our helper, a real helper, a real advocate. Someone who advocates for you is someone who stands up for you, who speaks for you when you can't. The one who leaps to your defence, the one you call on when you're in trouble or you need help. The very last words of Matthew's gospel are the words of Jesus. And he says these words, Matthew 28, verse 20, he says, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. How is he with us? Well, he's not physically with us. No, he's with us by his spirit living in you and I. The you here is plural. I am with yous all, Jesus says. Greek, Greek has, has plural. I'm with yous all to the very end of the age. How is he? Well, he's with us by his spirit, isn't he? In all of us. He is the advocate of the church. We are community, believe it or not, full of broken people. And I guess as a minister, you kind of see that. A lot of it kind of, you kind of feel like you have a bird's eye view of all the brokenness uh, in, our, in our community. And when you're broken, a broken vessel can't put itself back together. And without God on our side, by the Spirit in each of you here, we may as well give up. But we won't. In fact, we know that God is for us, for this community of broken people. And therefore, we have every motivation to care for one another. We're not alone. You're not alone in this. We're not alone. The Spirit of God is with us. He is our advocate, our helper. You might be someone here who's feeling discouraged this morning. Maybe you're lacking the motivation to care for others. Is your heart turned inward? We all feel like that from time to time. Well, can I say, don't, don't pull up your bootstraps and try and snap out of it. No, what we do is we gaze deeply on the one who has married you, who has united, him, united you to himself in his son, the one who comforts you with his love. You know that he sent his son and the one whom lives in you, the Holy Spirit. We gaze on that, we reflect on that. Uh, if these are some of the motivations to care in God's community, what shape does this care take? That's our second point, the shape of care in God's community. Well, first of all, it's a united front. Have a look at verse 2. 
uh, says, if all this is the case, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. If you're fighting a battle, if you're fighting a war, and if all the soldiers aren't aware of the plan, if it's not crystal clear in their minds what they're to do, then rather than working together, they might even start fighting one another rather than the enemy. And they are destined to lose the battle. In the community of God's people, we must have a united front. Uh, Paul says God's community is to be like-minded, having the same mind as God towards his people, having the same love of Christ towards his people, having one spirit, one mind. This is a united front. And what are we united in? Well, we're kind of hopefully seen it already. How, how, would, how do we summarise this love uh, that God has towards his people? Well, it's other person-centred, isn't it? That's God's mind, it's his love. When Jesus, when God sent his son, he wasn't thinking about himself, he was thinking about you. He's thinking about the church. God's mind and his heart is for his people. That's why he's united them to Christ, that's why he sent his son to die for them, that's why he sent his spirit. God isn't in the business of self-service. And that's what you see encouraged in God's people. Have a look from verse 3 and 4. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. That's other person-centeredness, isn't it? He says it firstly, negatively, uh, do nothing out of, uh, with the motivation of personal ambition or, or self-glorification. Rather, positively, humble yourself, putting others above yourself. And just in case we missed it, he says it again in different words. Negatively, not looking to your own interests. Rather, positively, each of you, not just some of you, each of you looking to the interests of others. One of the most famous speeches in history was John F. Kennedy's famous inaugural speech as the President of the United States. And he said something, I reckon, that to our modern ears is almost unheard of. And it kind of shows you the change in culture that we've seen over that time. He said those, these words, those familiar words, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. I wonder if we were to change those words slightly and say, ask not what your church can do for you, ask what you can do for your church. That is, what can you do for one another? Because we are the church. And that's other person-centeredness, isn't it, in the community of God's people? So if the shape of care in God's community is a united, other person-centered focus, what might it look like in practice? That's point number three, an illustration of care in God's community. This is from Acts chapter 4, verse 32. It says, All the believers were in one heart and mind. 
No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. Did you notice the first sentence, verse 32? All the believers were in one heart and mind. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Really familiar. We just read that pretty much in Philippians chapter 2, which was being one in spirit and of one mind. The early church was united. What were they united in? Other person senators, have a look. No one claimed that any of their possession was their own, but they shared everything they had. They saw the need, they saw what they had, and they saw the need, and they didn't claim what they had, but they served others. Now, you have to remember, this isn't prescriptive, right? This is a description of the early church. It's not saying, okay, I'm not, and I'm not saying go sell everything you have and give to one another. There's probably not that, quite that need in our community financially. But what the early church realised is that what they had been given was not their own. That, that is everything, everything that you and I have is a gift from God. Whether it's your money, whether it's your material possessions, whether it's your gifts, whether it's your talents, whether it's your time, whether it's your love, everything is a gift from God that we can use to love God's people and God's world. And imagine, imagine that we all had that view, that everything we had was so that we could serve one another. Uh, we began with the question, what might it look like to be a community that cares? And you know what? I think we're doing a pretty good job. Uh, when there are sick people in our church, or when there are injured people in our community, people have responded. Uh, Judy Ross and Dow, they have felt so loved by you as you have prayed for them, as you have cared for them during this time of hardship for them. And that is evidence of a united front of other person centeredness when you see the need, loving people. I wonder, though, are there areas that we could improve? Like the who's from Whoville in Horton Hears a Who, sometimes it can be hard to see the who's who need help. I think I said that right. And I think that's because there are people in our community that often go unseen because their need isn't evident. It's not broken leg. It's not an operation that they're going in for. It's not self-evident. There are many people in our community with mental illness or, or people that are just really struggling but they come to church not wanting to burden other people and they, they kind of put on the bright face, a big smile, everything's okay. Often we're not aware of the problems. They're not people, those people aren't mentioned in our prayers for the sick generally. And so sometimes it's not that people don't want to care, but that people are sometimes unaware. So I think there are two helpful ways that we could respond in order to build a community 
a better community that cares. And firstly, the first one, I, I think for most of you this is not the case, but if you're not already invested in the community here, then do it. Invest. Come every week. Join a growth group if you haven't already and go every week. Don't just join it and then go every month. Go every week. Not out of legalistic righteousness, but just so that you can invest time in other people's lives and they in you. Secondly, if you are a who who needs care, then share. And that can be hard to do. It means that you have to be vulnerable. And can I say, it's good to be vulnerable with the minister, but remember, we're all ministers. We're all people who can love and serve one another. Share it with your growth group, or if you're not comfortable, your growth group leaders. Don't be someone who is too proud to accept help, thinking, I don't want to burden people with my issues. Or worse, and I think this can develop over time, you get this negative feedback in, in your head because you're not sharing that people don't actually care. It might be not that they don't care, but they don't know. So be vulnerable, my friends. And can I say, if people are vulnerable with you, don't shirk back, don't shrink back like this is awkward. Have a united front and love them. Thank them for sharing. Reassure them that God is with them and so are you. Care for them. Enact practical ways in which you can support them. One of the ways we're trying to do this at youth group on Fridays, and I've heard one of the growth groups is doing it as well, and your growth group might be doing it, is having, during the time that you meet, a dedicated uh, prayer group time as part of the gathering. It's a chance for the same few people to get together and to share their life and their struggles and their joys and to be able to pray for one another. It's a chance to be vulnerable. Uh, there is so much more that I could say about caring for one another in God's community, and, and I'm sure you guys have got lots of thoughts as well. But I do want to make mention of the fact that there are people who can care, and there are people who need our care. There are some people who have the bandwidth to, in humility, care for others, but there are also others here who don't, and they need our care. You might be someone here who's bearing someone else's burden. Uh, you might be a full-time carer. You might be a mum with a young bub. You might be a husband caring for a wife with chronic illness. There are those who can care, and then there are those who need our care. 
I'm going to leave you with a challenge for this week. In your growth group, or at least with the people here today, if you're not in a growth group, together discuss what we could do, what structure could we introduce to our group meetings, whether that be growth group, whether that be a Sunday service, to better care for the community of God's people. Commit it to God and then do it. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for the community that you have drawn together here by your grace. We thank you that this is a community filled with the Spirit in each one of us. And we pray that with him as our advocate and guide, we might care for one another deeply. And Lord, if we need care, then we would be vulnerable in sharing with one another that we might love one another as you have loved us in your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen.